The Seven Rock Life Show is about stories that inspire with people that you will admire, learning to develop new chapters in life, learning from the past, but letting the old stories expire so it gives room for the new stories you create. Our brand is about three things, victorious in your life, contributing to society, and having fun along the journey. Seven Rock Life is a lifestyle that inspires and gives back with a mission to impact the world one life at a time. I'm your host, Steve Mazurko. Thanks for tuning in and being part of this journey. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Seven Rock Life Nation podcast show. We are so grateful to have you tuning in today and each week. A few updates to keep you in the loop with the brand and mission. First, we want to thank each and every one of you for making season one of the show a success. We hit 44 countries around the world and we are continuing to grow and make an impact. Make sure to go back, share, and check out the 23 episodes that inspired so many in season one. If you haven't left a comment yet on iTunes or Spotify, or even on Amazon with the Seven Rocks of Life book, we would appreciate that so much. Every review we read, we work on getting better as a brand to help you achieve your goals and helping our brand's mission to get out into the world to make an impact in society. With all the comments and shares on social media, we appreciate the love and the response from you all that has been given. All of those help to share our mission worldwide. We will be starting our season two going forward, so get ready for that. This podcast show is to help you become a better individual. Seven Rock Life Brand is about inspiring others, sharing ideas, and giving resources to help you become the best version you are destined to be. Whether it's the Seven Rocks of Life book on Amazon, which you can check out there, it gives the framework slash story of this lifestyle brand, or our clothing, which is sevenrocklife.com, which is a brand that inspires and gives back. We believe your clothing should empower your life's mission while looking pretty stylish as well, or some may say looking pretty swag. <laughs> Our full collection has some amazing new clothes and trends that are exclusive and also limited, so be sure to check those out. We are also having our Living to Inspire Festivals, which is a new and unique live event experience designed to educate, entertain, and connect one another through the Seven Rocks of Life mentality. Those out there who love to sing in the shower, me being one, this is your chance to show off your talent, these events, with your friends, family, and people that you just want to get exposed to this mindset. I know I am excited for these to get filled up in all rocks of life. We are striving to help you and the world become the best version we can every day. Check out the book, clothing, and festivals, our YouTube, our social medias. Not only will we be information that changes your life and make you live and feel better, but all of these are linked up to giving back, supporting charities and missions and causes around the world. Below in information is attached the website links so you can share and check out. You can see our latest trailer from Africa on our YouTube channel, Seven Rock Life, and also our festival dates on our live are live now on livingtoinspire.com. New York being the first one, get ready for a great episode of The Victorious Mindset with contributing back to society and of course having fun along the journey. Keep sharing the Seven Rocks of Life mentality. We love you all and appreciate each and every one of you. Keep living to inspire every day. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to Seven Rock Live Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Mazurko, and uh, we have an amazing, amazing uh, show today with my man, Eric Coleman. How you doing, Eric? 
I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. You know, it's always great, you know, getting in touch with you. You know, we have great energy and, and I'm excited to talk about some stuff on this podcast. Yeah, no, it's Eric's, uh, give you a little background. Um, you know, Eric's got an amazing, uh, history of just what he's been through, what he's done. Uh, he grew up, he's a Spokane, Washington native and, uh, was, went to Washington State College, drafted by the New York Jets, fifth round and nine year NFL veteran. Uh, he's a business owner, broadcaster now. You were three years with the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, right? sir. Three years, safety. See, I know my stuff, right? <laughs> and, uh, he did SNY broadcasting, Thrive Network ambassador, did, uh, work with my brother's keeper mentorship program and also just giving back and has, uh, an amazing, amazing just kind of resume that continues to build. And, you know, me and Eric, we met, through mutual friends and we were working out just a few months ago uh, we did a bicep uh, workout that I crushed it um, and it crushed me for like five days and if you look at uh, Eric on his Instagram he's a physical specimen so I made sure I did about 100 push-ups before he came here. But uh, it's really excited to have you here, man. Thanks. And it's, good, it's good to be here, man. And you're looking great yourself. Don't, don't cheat yourself. You, you're in some great shape as well. I purposely put this type of shirt on to make sure that I look good. It's one of those like rash guards, oh, yeah. Under Armour uh, type, you know, with Seven Rock Life stuff. And, uh, but yeah, we're, we're going to get into it and just everything that you've been doing. And uh, I, I love your story. And I know you have some some big projects coming out towards the end of the year that you're going to be creating and everything, but get ready for this episode, guys. And uh, so my man, Eric, so give a little background of where you grew up, your childhood, and just uh, how that all cultivated. So I, I grew up in Spokane, Washington. You know, I was born in Sacramento. We lived there until I was about six. I moved up to Washington State. I had a lot of my mother's side of the family up there. And uh, you know, it, it was a tough life. It was a good life as a kid, but we had a, a tough situation at home, you know, with drugs uh, were prevalent in my home. Uh, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 11 and, you know, things got rough. You know, mm -hmm. we were evicted out of homes, lost cars, you know, had to move around. And um, but it was you know what? It was it was a very tough life. But I always kept a, a positive attitude about it. And I was always optimistic that things would get better. And that, if, you know, if God brings me to something, he's going to bring me through it. So mm. even at a young age, it was like I always had that in, my, in the back of my mind, that things were going to be okay. Even, you know, as gloomy as they were, you know, with, you know, with, with the tough situations going on at home, I, always, I was always optimistic. You just always had that faith and were grounded. Absolutely. Why, why is that, though? I mean, because, you know, you grew up around the drugs, you're... Um, I know you probably want to talk a little bit about just what your parents went through and mm -hmm. that brokenness, but how it kind of made you stronger that crushing time. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll say this, you know, my mom had my mom and my dad, you know, they struggled with drugs and my father with alcoholism as well. And I'll say this about my parents. They raised us right. You know, we, they raised us in the church. My mom, you know, went to work every day. Um, you know, she functioned and, um, we, we were raised to those good values, you know, I always believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we had a big family network. You know, my grandmother was, was an intricate part in my growth as a person, you know, friends, parents. I had great people to look up to. And I think that that was something that was very inspiring to me growing up. And it just gave me goals. You know, I, I'm a big dreamer. You know, we talked yeah. about it earlier. I've always I've always dreamed of just accomplishing great things in life and and, and living and being successful and, and and those things come to fruition you know you speak it to fruition and and, and you work hard and you, and you stay dedicated and um and, and great things will happen yeah you have that internal foundation that you're able to build this this big skyscraper mm -hmm. and everybody's foundation is a little bit different and we were just talking about that earlier before when we were talking about dreams and when people lack energy or they're always tired 
uh, are lethargic, it's because they need a bigger dream. Yeah, you need a bigger dream and, and you need to stop limiting yourself. You know, uh, I think that when you're when you're on a path to success, when you're moving up, it's inevitable that you're going to have to let people out of your life. You know, you can't keep that negativity around you. You know, you have to continue to, to surround yourself with positive minded people, uh, people that that dream big people that that work hard they aspire to be great i i think that's important you know to to you know and that's why i'm a family man you know my yeah. wife is a a big inspiration of mine you know she's she's a hard worker she dreams big like me and she pushes me to, to be the best person i can be yeah and you're you're italian by association oh yeah, yeah, uh, sicilian. yeah. I'm, a, I'm a sicilian yeah, yeah. Uh, by marriage uh, and i've been over there a few times too it's a wonderful culture and you know i think when I met my wife, I, I saw the family aspect. I saw yeah. how, you know, she treated her mother. They had family dinners. Um, everybody was together, always doing things together. And that was something that I always wanted in life. Yep. You know, I did have a big family. We would get together for barbecues. But just that that immediate family structure, it's it, it just amazing. You know, I love the culture. You know, I love everything about the Sicilian and Italian cultures. And <laughs> Forget about uh, it. Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it's great, you know, seeing my children grow up and, and have those 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 ethics, those morals, those, that that code of living. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, no, you have a beautiful family and, and kids, and just uh, thank you. you. You see, you work hard to just make them proud. Yeah. And I know you support a lot of the family too, and you just you're that rock in that family. And I think sometimes when you know that you're that spark, you're that rock, but then you have that support system back at home. It's an amazing feeling. It is. It is an amazing feeling because it's it's motivating, you know, to have. Uh, you know, my wife pushing me to be a better person. And I understand that my children, they're, they're listening to what I say, but they're watching what I do and, you know, how I treat my wife, how I go about my business. What is my work ethic like? How do I treat people? That's how they learn. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be the best example for them that I can be, you know, my daughters. I want them to, to understand how they should be treated by a man, by how looking at how their father treats their mother. Yeah. You know, I want my son to understand the same way. This is how you treat people. You know, you hold doors, you say thank you, you know, you, you, you're gracious. And, uh, and and that's that's the things that, that I want to teach my kids, you know, that work ethic as well. They see me, you know, coming home late. Sometimes I'm gone before they wake up. Uh, they understand that, that daddy's working, you know, and that's yeah. how you provide. And that's how you get these things that we want is, is from hard work and dedication. Yeah, you truly let your feet be louder than your tongue. Absolutely. Yeah, you and, have to be. And you know what I love, and we'll get into this in a little bit about your sports career, but there is a life after sports and a life before sports, right? Mm -hmm. And and your foundation is so rock solid of just you're authentic, you're real, you're you're genuine, and you're rooted in just who you are, your morals, and all those things. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Thank and you. I think that's such a, a thing in this world is sometimes we're worried about the image instead of our roots of the image inside of us. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm always one of those people that, you know, that believes that if you don't humble yourself, God's going to humble you, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that there's no one who's better than anyone else. You know, when you when you go out in life, there may be someone who has more money or may have more things. But when when you're born in this life, you're given blessings. You know, my blessing was. To, to communicate with people, to make people happy, to play football. Yeah. That was one of my gifts that I had. Other people's may be math, science. You know, you may be a great attorney, uh, finance person. That's just your gift. That doesn't make me or you better than anyone else. Yep. That's just the gift that you were given. It's what you do. It's not who you are. Exactly. So I, I think it's important to, to pay respect to everyone, treat everyone as an equal, and, and let their actions, you know, 
place themselves. You know, if you if you're gonna be disrespectful, okay, you go in this pocket. If you're a good person, you you know, you can ride with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's important to just to let people's actions um, prove where they are in, in yeah. their life. And I'm sure that translated onto the field, right? Absolutely. So so walk us through your your later teenage years getting drafted. Um, kind of give us a, a brief overview of. Going to college, you were at Spokane, uh, Washington, Washington mm-hmm. State, right? And you, you love them out there. I know you used to do a lot of support for them. Yes, they always ask you to go over. Every time I text you, you're like, <laughs> I'm on the plane going back to Washington. Yeah. Um, so walk us through that, going into and getting drafted. How was that time of your life? So, you know, in high school, I, I never really thought that I was going to, you know, go to college and play sports. I always thought, you know, my path was going to be go to the Marines when I was out of high school, go be an FBI agent. You know, that's kind of the, the path I thought I was going to go in. But I love sports. I played all sports, you know, football, basketball, baseball growing up. And when I was a junior, I started getting letters from colleges, you know, interested in, you know, what I was doing playing football. So I said, you know, I, I didn't really yeah, – I'm a humble dude, like, like, you know, like we talked about. And I never thought I was better than anybody on the field. You know, I, there are certainly players that were better than me. But I was a hard worker, and, and that made me work harder. Um, I had the opportunity to to get recruited. You know, I was getting recruited by colleges. Uh, it was a tough time for me during that situation. My mom went away to prison, and I had to go live with some friends. That was when you were in college? I was in high school. In high school. In wow. high school. Where did you live then? I, I, so I first, wow. when, my, when my mom first went to prison, I lived with one of my coaches, uh, Paul Sorensen. I stayed with him for a few months. My brother went and lived with one of his friends, and um, and we tried our best to 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 stay composed. You know, I went through some tough times where I didn't want to play sports anymore. I didn't want to go to school. And thankfully, I had good people around me. I had a basketball coach named Coach. His name is Terry Reed. You know, he grabbed me. He understood what was going on in my life. And he kind of he, he took, me, took that approach where he didn't feel sorry for me. You know, didn't let me didn't allow me to feel sorry for myself and put everything in perspective and, and helped me to, to see past what was going on in my life and to see the long picture. And so, you know, I, I started to work hard. I moved in with my, my good friends, the, the black family. They, uh, they taught me so much about life. You know, they taught me everything that I wanted to be. They were a very successful family. Uh, they worked hard. They had values. I, I came, I moved into their house. I had chores. I had to keep my grades up. You know, there was study time. Um, you know, I had to get a job. So, wow. they, you know, I got a job at, at their law firm. And it just taught me a lot about life. And I was like, man, this is what I want to be like when, I'm, when I grow up. How'd they connect? How'd you meet him? So Tyler was uh, one of my good friends. Uh, I played all sports with him. Uh, you know, just, just good friends looking out for each other. That's awesome. And, um, That's and, really you know, I'm, I'm forever, amazing. I'm forever grateful for them and, and for what they did for me in my life, especially at that tough time. Because, you know, I was so confused. You know, you're 16, 17 years old. Uh, your mind is going in different directions. And, and they gave me that direction that I needed. Um, from I, just, there, I got chills just yeah, seriously because that's it, it that's tough. awesome. Yeah, and it, and it was definitely a blessing, and you know, it made me a stronger person. But um, from there, you know, I decided to go to, to Washington State University. Uh, Tyler Black's dad, Mr. Black, he took me to, to college, dropped me off, and you know, I went to Washington State, and I was ready. You know, from what what my life did for me is gave me a perspective. So when it was time to go to college, I wasn't the typical college kid. You know, most kids come in, they redshirt their first year, you know, meaning that, you know, they work out, they can practice, but they can't compete in the games. You know, they kind of take that year to get used to being in college. For me, I understood what I just came from, and I was determined to not go back to that. So when I got to college, I put everything into football. I put everything into school. 
and I ended up playing, you know, I started a couple of games as a true freshman. I played that season and I just continued to grow as a player. I saw some of my friends get drafted before me. Uh, my buddy Marcus Trufant, actually before Marcus uh, Lamont Thompson, one of my roommates from my sophomore year, great player, all-time Pac-12 leader in interceptions, <laughs> really close friend of mine, played the same position as me. Uh, he got drafted in the second round. And I remember he came back to college and my, my then roommate, Hamza Abdullah, and I looked at each other and said, man, we can make it to the NFL. Like, Lamont is much better than us. But if we work hard, I think, you know, this is something we could do. And so we just started focusing on. He gave belief to you guys. He gave belief, and we saw it. You yeah. know, we saw we could touch him. You know, this is a guy that we knew that we, you know, grew up through college with, and he's in the NFL. And so, you know, we worked. We would stay after practice and work. You know, we would we would say focus on, you know, getting our footwork better, being better football players. Uh, the, the, the year later, Marcus Trufant, one of my really close friends got drafted. He was 11th overall. And I remember we had a big party at the house and when he was getting drafted, uh, you know, we were celebrating through our, through our apartment complex in college and, and it was, it was really cool, but guys were playing beer pong a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a little bit of that, <laughs> but you know, and, and it just really, it was, it was reality, you yeah. know, that this was a possibility and, you know, going to my senior year, uh, I, I had a really good year. I was, you know, probably second team or third team All-American. I was first team All-Conference. That's awesome. Um, I got invited to the Combine. Yeah. Which was wow. great. But even with that being said, uh, you know, during during that process, after your, your last college season, when you get invited to the Combine, people go to different locations to train for the Combine. You know, whether it's Los Angeles, Florida, Arizona, you know, anywhere around the country, there's these trainers that help you run faster in your, you know, get better technique to run faster in your 40. So you can perform at the combine because the NFL combine is only the top 300 college players. Um, every NFL executive that you can think of, head coach, is at the combine every year. And they're evaluating talent. They're doing interviews. So you go through this process of training. Of course, it costs money. You know, you have to travel. And most, and most of the time when you're, when you're a prospect, an agent, well, to take you on as a client, they'll pay for your training. They'll pay for hmm. your, your pay, you know, your, your travel expenses and they'll pay for that. I couldn't find an agent that, that would, that would uh, sign me up. You know, most guys are getting recruited by agents. I'm calling agents asking if they'll talk to me wow. and none, nobody really believed in me. And so it was a, it was, it was a tough, tough pill to swallow, you know, and, and, and a couple of my guys, I knew they were training in Alameda at this place called Peppa with Thomas Weatherspoon. That my buddy Marcus Trufant, Lamont Thompson had trained with him. And I was like, that's where I want to go. And I called Thomas and I said, Thomas, I don't have any money. You know, I don't have an agent to pay for me. Can I come down and work out? And if I make it, I'll, I'll pay you. If I make it to the NFL, I'll pay you then. You were so relentless. You're just I was. Like, no. you know, this, yeah. is, this is something that you know, amazing. I was not going to give up on. So I flew down to Oakland. Uh, my uncle Jesse uh, lived in Oakland. Rest in peace. He gave me his uh, 1982 Volkswagen Jetta to drive, <laughs> stick shift, and I was pulling up to the training facility with no money, 82 Jetta. Did it have hydraulics on it? Like, you know, <laughs> I wish. But all the guys there, they had their agents paying them, their, you know, fronting them money. So they had these nice rental cars, Escalades. They had brand new clothes, jewelry, and they hadn't even made it to the pros yet. And so I was like, man, I'm just going to focus on this. You know, I focused on my diet. I was working out twice a day, just all in. I was all in on working out. Um, Later in that process, I found an agent that would sign me. And so the guy signed me. He paid for my training. It was all good. And I ended up getting drafted in well, the fifth round. Real quick. 
So there were a couple because I want to before you go into that, I, I, you said a lot of good nuggets that apply to all areas of life, and some of the things were people didn't have belief in you, but you had belief in yourself, mm-hmm. which was key, right? You have to. You were relentless. You executed, um, and those are the three main things. Now going back a little bit. Why was there inner belief in you? Because I think that people struggle with that. Like, mm-hmm. well, the world doesn't believe in me, but do you believe in yourself? You know, I, I think that it, it comes from from dreaming and just understanding uh, who you are, where you want to be, and what it's going to take to get there. You know, I think I'm a big goals guy, you know, setting goals, and you know, you set a goal, and it's like, how am I going to get there? You know, what's going to keep me from from getting there? You know, you, you kind of put the place, the pieces in, in place uh, to make it to your goal. And um, how do you take your ideas and dreams and, and kind of start executing it? So people listen to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I know you have a lot of stuff happening with you know, offers and different things right yeah. now in your life now, but going back say over there, how did you, what dreams did you put? How did you kind of fortuition the things that were going to happen in your life? I, I think you have to be real with yourself. And when you, when you set your goals and expectations, you know, don't be afraid to dream now. You know, I'm not saying limit yourself to, to a certain, uh, don't put a cap on what you can do. Yeah. But when you make that goal, let's think about it. What, what steps do I need to take to get there? You know, if I'm, if I'm, my goal is to make it to the NFL, I have to go train somewhere and I, I'm going to the combine. Okay. I have to go perform there. W- realistically, what do I expect? How am I going to get there? I have to go train at a facility. Yep. I have to go bust my butt. I have to change my diet. I have to work on my technique. I have to work on my footwork. You know, all these things that you have to you know, kind of just check off and check off boxes and just continue to grind. Um, I think that's the way that you get there. That's the way I kind of look at it. And, um, and I've always, and it's worked. Cause yes, look, yeah. <laughs> yes, thank God. And I, and I, um, I learned a quote, you know, early in college, one of my buddies told me, don't success, don't sacrifice what you want most for what you want now. Mm. And that's something that's always stayed with me. It's like, what I'm doing right now, is that going to help me get to where I want to go? And if not, I don't need to be doing it. Yep. You know, I don't need to be hanging out with this person. So, so I sacrificed a lot to get there, um, and I think that's important. Yeah. You know, sacrifice is a big and, part of your growth. And the currency of life is time. So we only have so much time, mm-hmm. and that's why I end my book with a time poem that that I wrote, you know, last year. And you need to plant your time, plant yourself in fertile soil. Yeah, Who you're around, the places you're around, because it's that one time of that one scout signing you because you were in the right soil, the right environment. Exactly. But you can't succeed in the same zip code you, you grew up in. No, you can't. You have to yeah. get out. You have to get out of your comfort zone. Yep. You know, I think that's a big part of growth. And, you know, they always talk about you being around nine people. You're going to be the 10th. So yep. surround yourself with like-minded people. That's why it was important for me. Like Hamza was my roommate. Hamza Lamont mm-hmm. was my roommate. Jason Gesser was my quarterback. I surrounded myself with great people in a house that all had the goal of playing at the next level. Yep. You know, we, we would go you know, on a Saturday, so on a Saturday, let's go to the stadium and run stadium stairs. Let's go do some footwork. You know, we always were trying to find ways to get better. Love it. Because that was the ultimate goal. Yeah. And you have a quote that I saw on your, um, on your Instagram by Martha Luther King, and I really loved it. The time is always right to do something right. Absolutely. It is, it, you know, it's just do, just do right by people. You know, it's, it's how easy is it to tell somebody, you know, God bless you, or you look beautiful or, or just brighten up somebody's day or, or to go out of your way to help somebody. You know, I think that that's important in life and that's something that's missed yep. in life. You know, everyone gets worried about themselves. They get caught in the rat race. They get caught um, chasing their goals. And you have to take time out to help other people as well, because chances are the if you're a successful person, 
Someone had to take time out to help you at some point in your life, at some phase. Someone helped you, you know, be that gift for somebody else. Yeah, and you, you've kept your foundation, and I think you've you've stayed connected to your to your low and to your high. Yeah. And I was saying to my pastor uh, the other day, I said, you know, you have world success and you have the universe and God's success. And when you get more excited about world success and not the universe's success or God's success, then you kind of will falter and hit mm-hmm. rock bottom over time again. Absolutely. You know, you, you have to stay grounded and, and keep that, that humility, keep that foundation. And, yeah. and you have it. Thank you. Thank you. And, and you know what? I, I think it comes from, you know, my wife keeps me in check. Um, you know, life keeps me in check though, you know, and and I try to get in the word and, and try to read as much as I can and, um, and really slow down and keep things in perspective. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a young man. I'm I'm trying to achieve great things in life. I want to be a great example for my children. I want to be a successful businessman and, uh, and I want to make an impact on the world. And I think if I keep those things in perspective and just understand what, you know, never forget where you came from, never forget the circumstances that you were in, you know, in the past. I, I think that's important when you're trying to move forward. Yeah. And before we get into our NFL uh, career, because, you know, you had nine years, so that's a lot of a uh, lot of time to cover. But your spiritual walk, right? Mm-hmm. Was that always a big foundation for you? Growing? It was. And, and especially getting the NFL, the ups and downs? Yeah, it was. You know, my, my spiritual walk was always important to me. Uh, you know, th- there were times growing up when when things were terrible. You know, there was, um, you know, I, I remember times where, you know, we there was a time where I had some drug dealers kick down our door looking for somebody in my house. Wow. Um, you know, my brother and I, you know, had to run out of the house screaming. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen to us. Um, you know, there's times where we got evicted out of homes, you know, from times where my mother was going to prison. And during those times, I always felt... I never had anyone around me, but I never felt alone. You know, I would always go for walks and I would just talk to God. I would always pray and just have that relationship with God that gave me the optimism that everything was going to be okay. Like, and it's crazy. It's crazy. You know, I, I, I think about what I was going through at what age I was going through it. And to have that perspective was just a blessing, you know, and to be able to, to keep it in, in check that, you know, God is not going to bring you to it if he's not going to bring you through it. Mm. You know what I mean? Just like, yep. Wow. Understanding that and just learning those lessons and keeping that true to your heart, I, I think that's important. And, and I'm very thankful that I had that foundation of, you know, being in the church, um, being responsible. My grandmother was a big, motive, you know, big, uh, I guess, role model in my life mm-hmm. and, and someone who I always looked up to. Was she in uh, Washington or here? Yeah, she was in Washington. Washington. Yeah, I don't have any family on the East Coast. All my family's on the West. It's all by association I, here. Yeah, yep. my, and my grandmother, you know, she passed away you know, a couple of weeks ago. It was a, it was a year, mm, the year anniversary. Yeah, thank you. It, it was a, that was tough losing my grandmother because she was the backbone of our family. You know, I, she must have raised 20 kids out of her house. There wow. was times where I lived with my grandmother uh, for for you know years, year and a half, two years at a time, and uh, and it was just always she was always that that foundation that was there for us. But her her legacy lives on through you for all those principles that she's taught you. Yeah, it does. It now does. it's taught to the kids, and that's what's so crazy is like you look at your kids or your family or people that you mentor, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, those principles that grandma or mom gave me are now in my kids. Yeah, I can see it, and, and it's funny because I see it when I'm you know when I get upset with my kids or I got to discipline my kids. I'm like, man, I sound like my grandma there right now and it's, it's funny best tips for being a dad best tip for being a dad be or there parent or just be parent. be there you know what i mean i i think you know we get caught up in the rat race and in time uh, gets lost you know your kids just want to be around you mm. you know what i mean they just want that time with you they want you to be focused on them for a few hours of the day um 
you know, enjoy the process, you know, let your kids be, be them, let them be kids. You know, I, I look at my daughter and she's 10 years old and it makes me so happy that she's still playing with dolls and she's doing things like that. Because when I was that age, I was, you know, finding crack pipes in my house and I was, you know, worried about what was going to happen to my, my younger brother who I had to raise. Um, you know, I wasn't a kid. My, my childhood got taken from me. So when I see my kids being children, you know, being, you know, you know, happy in life, it just makes me so proud. So, yeah. you know, just being available, being being there, listen to them. And be honest, and talk do you to them play like, with the dolls sometimes? I do. <laughs> I do have to play with the dolls sometimes. I, my, I did I, that with my niece the other day. I'm like, I'm like this is fun. Dude. We got a remote control uh, guitar, uh, guitar uh, car, uh-huh. and we're playing it more than my niece, my, my brother and I. It's like this little Mario Kart thing. Yeah. Like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. You know? it, but, it's cool. My, so I have two girls, and thankfully... Uh, they have I, they have the sisters, so they can play together with the dolls. So gotcha. my son, my my four year old, he takes me away most of the time. Yeah. So I'm usually he he likes when I play monster and, and he's like the Power Ranger and he's gonna save the world. And I'm the <laughs> bad guy, or you know we'll play with his little toys and stuff. So he saves me from playing from the dolls. Yeah. You know what I love about this because we're gonna get into your NFL career now, but you don't realize you have your on field and then off field mm-hmm. and you know, you're off field. Like we're, we're, we're all the same. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's just what we do. It's not who we are. It is. And, and it's funny because even when I played football, most of my close friends had nothing to do with football. Yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm one it's of those refreshing. Guys, yeah. You know what? I'm one of those guys when I'm done with work, like I unplug, I'm all about my family. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it's about. So I don't really hang out too much. Um, you know, there, there are times when, you know, friends want to go out to dinner and they want to do this and that. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. Like, this is my time with my kids. Yep. You know, even from working out. Like, if I don't work out, if I don't wake up at 5.30, 6 in the morning and go work out before my kids wake up, it's not going to happen. Because when I'm there, I'm there. You know what I mean? And it's hard to, you know, it's hard for me as a as a, as a father to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go work out right now. I'm going to go spend time at this gym instead of enjoying the time with you. So, uh, I have to do it in the in the morning just because I, I value that time so much. And I was just telling you about the seven rocks of life because it's kind of your first time hearing about it mm-hmm. and with the book coming out and all that. But you, you resemble the seven rocks, spiritual, relationships, finances, health, income streams, organization, and personal growth. Like you, you literally, all seven rocks from what I see, you know, as a friend and as a mentor, I'm like, you have them and you and you continue to work on them. And oh, I think that's you. why you have that balanced life. And yeah, we're in balance sometimes with certain areas. But you really do have the seven rocks. You're, yeah, I mean, when when you were explaining them to me, man, it was like, man, that's that's big. You know, seven rocks, seven, you know, foundations of life. It applies so much. Seven days a week. Seven, seven in the Bible. <laughs> it's just seven continents. Yeah, that's seven I mean, seas. <laughs> that's I mean, it's a beautiful number, and and it's a that's a it's a wonderful thing. It takes some thought to come up with that, and when you break it down, it really does apply with life. You know, you have to have all those all those th- those those boxes checked off yep. if you want to live a successful and balanced life. Yeah. And you have that. Thank now you. here's, what's crazy. We're going to go shift and we're going to go and, and wrap up in 10 minutes. Um, and we're probably going to do a part two of this because yeah, you have, cool. you have a lot of stuff and he's, he's got some projects and things to do today. So it's just great having him here. So you let's go from a life shift. So you go from crack pipes, all that stuff to being the dad, um, seeing them, you know, grow up and then getting into the NFL, walk us through your NFL career and just things you learn, fun times, uh, just the experiences that you took from it. Man, the NFL was, was an amazing time in my life. Um, I was very blessed, you know, to get drafted by the New York Jets, uh, to come into a locker room with, with great people. You know, I had Curtis Martin in my locker room, 
Wayne Corbett, um, Eric Barton, uh, Chad Pennington. You know, I had all, a bunch of leaders, Ray Mickens. Wow. A bunch of great leaders in my locker rooms that I learned from all the time. You know, I remember, you know, my, my, my first experience in the NFL that I remember was in the off-season workouts. They had the rookies come to work out. So all of us rookies were working out. We're on the field. You know, one of the strength coaches was telling us how pretty much none of us were going to make the team except for the first-round pick, Jonathan Vilma. He, he was just trying to imply that we need to work hard. Yeah. And I remember coming into the locker room, and the veterans were in the locker room. And I remember seeing, I think it was Victor Hobson, one of our linebackers, him and Sam Coward were talking. They had their shirts off. And I walked in, and I was like, oh, my God. When am I going to get those kind of muscles? Because I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm 21 years old. I don't even have a, I don't even have a mustache at the time. Oh and I was like, man, when am I going to get those? And I have to play with those guys. Oh, yeah. yeah, so so it was cool because because I learned a lot of lessons. Like, uh, for instance, when I got my first check, I get my first paycheck, and it was like I want to say it was like thirty thousand dollars, and I was taken back by how much money it was. And then how much money taxes took from it. And yeah. I'm like, but I was still proud. Like, man, look how much money I made. I never had this much money in my life. And Who's Fika? Yeah, yeah. Who was that? It was crazy. I did ask that. And John Abraham was next to me. His locker was next to mine. And he was like the big homie. You know what I mean? He's always cool, dude. He and I kind of hit it off. We have the same birthday. He's a little older than me, but um, we, always, we always hit it off. But he had his check, and he slapped it in my chest. It was like, look at that. And it must have been around $500,000 or something <laughs> for one paycheck. For one paycheck. And, uh, and I said, man, that's a lot of money. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I felt, I felt humbled. And he said, he said, what's important from that is you have to learn to stay in your lane. Mm. You know, you can't go out and buy the car that I got. You can't go out and buy the house or be at the clubs and do all this because you don't have the same money. So make sure you stay in your lane. It's going to be tempting. But if you stay in that lane, focus yep. on football while you're here you'll have a great career for yourself. How important was that? Because I say that all the time, and I love that you just said that. Stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. We're way too often looking left and right, especially in social media yeah, world. It's social like, Social media dude, will have you messed up. Because that probably was nine years. Being in NFL for nine years, that's, that's hard to do. Most people are three years, four years, and staying consistent. Staying in that lane, what other... What are the things that you learn with building cultures, the, the winning teams, uh, staying consistent through nine years of the NFL? I think that... Keep the one of my coaches used to say, keep the main thing the main thing, and, and and the main thing for me was was playing football. You know that was the reason why I was there. I wasn't there to do endorsements. I wasn't there to party. I wasn't there to you know do all the things that came with being an NFL player. I always try to keep that in perspective and, and always focused on the game. Um, and I think when you do that as a team, when you have enough like-minded people that want to achieve the same goal and, and that push each other, that hold each other accountable. You know, there would be times when I did go out and I go out with my teammates. And, you know, you go to clubs and you come home all late. And I remember Jonathan Vilma and I were both rookies. We went out late one night. We come home. I mean, the sun must have been coming up. <laughs> and I remember him calling me. And it was like three or four hours later. Like, you ready to go run? And I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah. Let's go do it. You know what I mean? And we went and worked out because you partied hard, but you still have responsibilities. You know, and I think that if you keep keep that stuff in order, then you know, that could be successful. You know, when I it was a it was a different dynamic when I went to Atlanta because a lot of the, the in Atlanta there's a party culture. I was at the time when I got to Atlanta, I think I was twenty six years old. I was married. I had my first kid on the way. And so I was at a different place in my life. I had been in New York for four years. I had done all the partying. And not that I was like a big party animal, but 
I did the party in the, that, yeah, that you got I needed it out of the way. Do. You know, I got it out of the way. It was like in the big city. I come to Atlanta, focus on football. I see the youngsters, you know, worried about this and the car they're driving and this, that, and the other. And I remember my first meeting, I asked the coach to leave in the defensive back room. I asked the coaches to leave, and I told everyone, I said, the, the NFL draft is coming up in another month. If you don't think that they're not going to draft somebody to replace you, you're out of your mind. I said, you should be focused on football, not these sports, because that's what's important. That's what's going to keep you here. Wow. Playing, focusing on football. Some of them listened. Other ones didn't. And a lot of them were up out of there. You know, I, every year when, that I played in the NFL, after my rookie year, a safety was drafted to replace me. Every single year. A safety was drafted from Kerry Rose to Eric Smith to William Moore to Thomas Deku. You know, I could name them every year, second round, third round, bigger than me, faster than me, stronger than me. And they're all ended up having great careers, but none of them beat me out. Mm. Why? Well, what separated, separated you from what other people? What separated me? Okay, so you may have been faster than me, but I'm going to bust my butt in the film room. I'm going to study my opponent. And when the play, when the play develops, I'm going to understand – what the tendencies are, what the what the receiver's route may be, and I'm gonna see it a split second faster than you. Meaning I'm gonna be I'm gonna be at the ball carrier quicker than you. I'm gonna make that tackle. I'm gonna make that pass breakup. Get that interception, and I'm gonna know my job every time. I'm gonna get everybody lined up, and I'm not gonna beat myself. Wow. You know, that that's you know a lot of the times guys want to you know go off and drift and you know you get baited and making mistakes. The NFL is a chess match, but if you stay true to the core, you understand the foundations, you understand your responsibility within that scheme, then you'll be successful. The problem is everybody wants to make big plays and they want to do everybody else's job. Yeah, and I love that you said it's a chess match. It is. It's the ultimate chess match. You know, when you, when you play against guys, you know, when you play against the Patriots and, and Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they're going to make things look the same. You know, if it's a run play, they're going to keep running that run play. They may have ran it last week and they know you're watching film and they see that you're cheating up and making a great tackle. You made a great tackle for a three-yard gain. Okay, he's going to be excited to make that tackle again. Okay, we're going to make it look that same way. And I'm going to keep the ball this time. I'm going to have Randy Moss running up the sidelines. And I'm going to turn around right where he was supposed to be and throw that ball. And it's going to be a touchdown. Mm. It takes discipline. It takes, you know, going back and correcting your mistakes and being real with yourself to understand that they're they're studying me. They're scheming me. Yep. So I have to keep me in check. Yeah. It's And what you do behind the scenes is everything. Oh, yeah. It, it, it is everything that that film preparation that studying uh you know someone was asking me i was watching the game i must have been at a restaurant or something and one of the players made this big celebration after an interception he was dancing and they were like man why do they guys celebrate so much and showboat so much i said they're not showboating i said you don't understand what went into making that play i said that player when in the offseason, understanding, I need to work on something. He busted his butt working on his footwork. It may have been his T-step, you know, something in his back pedal, my, my burst coming out of my break. He studied that. Uh, he, he prepared for that. He was doing the footwork. He put in the work. He went in the film room. He looked at the tendencies of this team. You know, he, he's looking, okay, third down and five. They go from two by two. They motion to three by one. Uh, they run five routes. Okay, out of those five routes, if the when the ball snapped, if the receiver does this, they only run two routes. That might be one of their favorites. Now, in the game, the game comes, they run that route, the receiver goes underneath, boom, I understand it. Yep. Click, I go make the wow. break, I make the interception, and I make that play. Like, that's, that's not just you, someone throwing you the ball. That's not by mistake that that play happened. That took months of preparation, physically, mentally, 
and and you have to go out and do it. You have the courage in the workout make, room, in the yeah. video room, all those things. And you have to have the courage to go make that play. Yeah. And when you make that play, it's a special feeling. And you no, know, that's the best feeling in the world. Making a play in front of seventy, eighty thousand people. You know, your family watching back home at the highest level that the football gets. It's, it's a special Dude, thing. I love it, and I love the way you get into it because you, yeah, you're just like you're ready to go. <laughs> I love it. And I, I was th- talking to my dad the other day. Somebody asked, um, you know, because. You can do things very quick. Creating mm-hmm. something doesn't take time. It's the content that you need to go through to create it. And it's like that play is, is 10 seconds, 5 seconds, 20 seconds. But then all that stuff before that yeah. is what creates that play and that win and then boom. You yeah, know, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And, and that's why they say that you know there's no overnight successes. Yeah. You know what I mean? People who, who, who you may have never heard of and they all of a sudden come on the scene that took a lot of work. They were grinding. It took a lot of groundwork. Yeah. And they were grinding. They were preparing. You know, success is when preparation meets opportunity. You know, those things happen to come together for Amen. that person at the right time. And now you have a great yeah. play. You have a, a great career. You have great success. I love it. Before we wrap up, biggest inspirations and biggest lessons you've learned throughout your season. You're 37 now? 30, just turned 37. Ah. I'm an old man He now. looks so young, though. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he inspires no, me, you, man. man. So um, biggest lessons, biggest inspirations. Biggest lessons um, that maybe the you know Sun Rock Life Nation can can learn from. Well, you know, I, I think that um, my my biggest lessons were probably you know just from growing up and and just keeping things things in perspective that um, that nothing is too big for our God. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I'm I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in that. These dreams we were talking about this earlier. The dreams that you come up with are just a preview of what could be in store for you if you if you just stayed on the right path, if you worked hard and sacrificed some things. Those dreams are just visions of what's going to happen in the future. You know, yeah. I, I think that that's something that I, I like to live by. Um, I've had a lot of tough lessons in life. You know, I've learned a lot. I try to learn from other people's mistakes, you know, rather than myself. It's a shortcut. It's a cheat but, code. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I definitely um, have learned a lot recently. You know what I mean? And, you know, one of those things is that a lot of people, want you to be successful as long as you're not more successful than them. Yep. So, you know what I mean? So you have to watch <laughs> we were laughing you surround about that yourself. Before. Yeah. You have to learn how you surround yourself with and, uh, and keep things, think, keep things in perspective and keep positive, you know, forward thinking people in your life. Favorite person, favorite coach, biggest inspiration, who, who one or two people would that be? Would you say that'd yeah, be monumental have, for you? So, you know, obviously I mentioned my grandmother, you know, being a, a big part of my life, um, you know, she's probably my, my favorite person. She's definitely my favorite person. You know, I, I get emotional thinking about my grandmother. Um, coaches, you know, I had some great ones. You know, my, my high school coach, John Hook, was amazing. Terry Reed helped me get through a tough time. Um, Herm Edwards. Hmm. Herm Edwards, my first coach in the NFL. He I've heard great me. things about him. Just a good man. You know, he taught me. he taught me a lot about the game of football, but he taught me even more about the game of life. You know, and he taught me a lot because, you know, I was able to learn from him. First of all, he was a defensive back like myself. He's a black man. Uh, he played this game when it was starting to change over and gave me a lot of perspective about my responsibility outside, off the field, you know, community, to your family, 
to who you represent. You're all, you're you're representing something. You know what I mean? So you always have to conduct yourself as such, you know, as if somebody was watching you. So, you know, a lot of lessons from him. A lot of them I can't share because they're... Uh, G14 classified. He never cursed, but he always gave some great examples. And it was, <laughs> it was really cool. So Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I know you got to get on a call a little bit. And um, I know there's some big future projects for you uh, potentially coming out. Yeah, I'm excited about What's your about next, next thing is going to be coming? Any any preludes or stuff? Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive into the insurance world. You know, I'm excited about that. I may try to do a book. You know, the the, the sky's the no, limit. No, you are. You, I'm going I'm, to do a book. This going. Is, everybody's <laughs> going to hear this, right? This is going to go broadcast. Eric Coleman and his wife and his family, they're going to write a book. Okay. I, I can Keeping do up with the Colemans. Rolling with the Colemans. Rolling uh, with the Colemans. <laughs> no, it's coming out. I'm going right, to help you. Right, we're going to do that. And just, and just trying to, you know, I'm still continuing to help people get into drug treatment. Yeah. And, and trying to be an advocate for that. You know, keep kids off drugs. If you're on drugs, to try to give you a solution. You know yeah. what I mean? And we're going to definitely do a part two of this because okay. there's, there's so much great stuff that you're doing. Um, and so there's one last question that we end every single podcast with, Seven Rock Life. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. So if you had a billboard for the whole world to see, what would your message be to the world? That's a great question. What would my <laughs> message be? So you had a billboard for the whole world to see. What would your message be to the world? My message would be to the world was... Um, one sentence, one word. Oh, man. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one. I know. That's why we asked Humili- it. Humility. Why? Because for the reason, for the reason I said before, um, you, God gives out gifts when you're born. You, it doesn't make you any better than anyone. It doesn't make you more important than anyone else. If you are, if ever, if we all were humble, treated everyone as equals, uh, had respect for one another, this world would be a much better place. I love it. Love is the most powerful language in the world. It really is, my man. Appreciate you, Pound. Awesome job. Just a great podcast, guys. Check them out. Uh, you're on. Uh, you have what's your Instagram? Um, Instagram and Twitter is at Eric Coleman. E R I K C O L E M A N. Love it. And he's just got a, an amazing future, doing great things for the community and uh, just beginning for you. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Check us out on Sun Rock Life. Uh, check out um, our Instagram. And thank you for tuning in. Have a blessed, blessed week. And God bless you all. Love you all. Peace.